Welcome to The Ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Chris, many years ago, was both a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow. And it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow. He helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Green Private Wealth, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Why do we do what we do when money is involved? Behavioral finance is an intriguing field of study, and Chris Turow is here with the five most common investing biases you may not even recognize in yourself. I'm Patrice Sakora. Chris, I hope you also plan to tell us how we might avoid these behaviors. Yeah, thanks, Patrice. Yeah, so this is a something I've wanted to do for a bit, especially since we're going through some rough markets. Well, we have been for, well, basically since the beginning of 2022. So it's been a bit, and I just, this is where behavioral finance comes into play even more because of the emotions people will have when markets are down such as much as they have been. So what exactly is behavioral finance? Well, what it is, it's basically the definition of that is the field of study that combines psychology and economics together. And it argues that as human beings, investors, well, they're not always rational or logical, especially when I'm mentioning certain market environments. And because people are subject to personal beliefs and or biases that may lead to irrational and emotional decisions, it can cause some problems in regards to people's money. The, the beliefs and emotions, these reactions, they can have a significant impact on someone's investments and even someone's financial goals. And sometimes they can be the driving decision behind making these decisions. Therefore, acknowledging and understanding these biases and taking steps to avoid them are the best ways to make sure that you stay on track and that you don't deviate from your plan when markets are tough. So what do you need to know? Well, I'm going to go over some common biases right now, as Patrice just mentioned, that cause investors to make illogical investment decisions and how you can try to avoid them. The first step is obviously making sure you're aware of what the bias is and how it impacts you. And then we'll, I'll go over a couple of ideas on how to avoid it. So the first one's confirmation bias. What this is, is it's a tendency to seek out information that supports pre-existing ideas. Therefore, like when picking investments, we often look for information on products that we want to hear and would justify our decision to select them. While this can be dangerous and it can be costly, confirmation bias is perhaps, this is probably perhaps the most widely recognized investment bias out of all of them. It's not just a behavioral finance bias, but it also occurs in other areas of our lives as well. And it's the tendency to give too much weight to the information that supports our preconceptions while discontinuing other information that isn't supportive. Also, the more people you've told, I find this too, is the more people you've told about your decisions, such as you're going to buy a particular stock and you keep telling everyone about it, the more likely you are to resist changing your opinion. And that's also called now commitment bias because you don't want to look foolish that you told everyone you're going to buy this stock or how great it was. And even if you kind of get a little bit of cold feet, you're still going to go ahead with it. And as I mentioned, that's called commitment bias. So another one to pay attention to. 
Now, how can we avoid this bias? Well, take time to consider all of the information available to you before making a decision. Don't just react quickly. And the simplest way to avoid confirmation bias is to look at a belief you hold and search out the ways in which you're wrong rather than the ways in which you're right. And it's important to listen to all sides and carefully consider them before coming to a conclusion. This is also where you can ask your advisor to help you gather enough data on this to help you make an educated, informed investing decision regarding this. That's the first one. Two, anchoring. Now, anchoring occurs when the investors fixate on a past price and information. It's, it's very easy to get caught up and anchored uh, to the price of a stock basically focusing on what you think that you should be getting for that price rather than a reasonable price. And we've we've seen a bit of this actually in the housing market lately, since people are still thinking they can get top dollar for their house with no conditions and get multiple offers like they were over a year, year and a half ago. And the sellers still think they can get this. And they're like, nope, I'm not listening to the real estate agent. I know I can get this. And they're still going to list for that high price. Even though the entire market around them slowed down, um, people get very emotionally attached to their homes and think they're always priced better. They should be higher priced than everyone else around them. We hear that all the time. So that's a similar example of this with anchoring. And anchoring can cause investors to reject rational investment decisions and subsequently lead them to holding on to losing investments just because they're like, nope, I know I, it used to be at this rate. I can get it. It's going to go back and they'll just hold on to that. Even though all the information around them is pointing to get out, they will sometimes just anchor down as opposed to the name anchoring. Is That's where it can kind of come from. You can get an idea of that to help you remember this type of bias. And they just, they won't budge on it. It's an over-reliance on the first piece of information you hear and how it can impact your subsequent decisions. Another example, I guess I could use, I use the housing one, but would be, Say you were negotiating a salary and it's kind of like whoever makes the first offer is kind of establishes roughly that range of the reasonable options in the other's mind. That just gives you a bit more, another example around that. So how we can avoid that is thinking critically is your best defense against anchoring. With all of these, if you have an advisor, you're going to want to just use them as that resource and help bounce these ideas off them. Also, and allow your advisor to kind of be that devil's advocate for you to listen to different perspectives and, and let yourself see the information you may be missing. Successful investors base their decision on many relevant factors and not just going on one piece of data. So that's kind of how you can try to avoid anchoring. Mental accounting. So that's this is the next one. It's a term used to explain the tendency to assign different money, different functions. And we see this quite a bit. So We'll tend to, everyone kind of does this. We'll, I, I'll do it. Children will do it. Adults will do it. You'll see it in all kinds of different examples, not in regards to just investing, but just mental accounting when it comes to a dollar. So we tend to allocate our assets in sometimes different and irrational ways. So in your mind, you're basically saying, I'm going to go spend this money on this because it came from this source. And then you try to start to justify in your head why you can go spend it on this, even though you kind of know it's probably not the best way to spend it, but you got it because it came from a, a different source. And even though it's not the best decision to spend it on that, you're still going to go ahead. Like basically money has a consistent and objective value. The way we go about spending it is often 
subject to different rules, like as I just mentioned, depending on how we earned it or how we intend to use it and how it can make us feel. So a couple examples is uh, let's use, oh, we're in time. Okay. So we're just um, right now we're getting close to the tax filing deadline, which means some people, if you're fortunate enough, will be getting returns back, bonus money that some may consider this. And therefore they're like, well, I wasn't planning on getting that money back and now I am. So I'm just going to go treat myself and spend it more freely than I could have based as compared to applying it to my debt or retirement savings or something along those lines. Or say you found $100 on the street and you grabbed it and now you have that $100. Well, that's different in your mindset compared to you worked, you got paid, there's $100 in your bank account that's now been after tax and now that money's there. So you can kind of see where that mental accounting comes from. And that type of thinking can hold you back into reaching your financial goals. Because really to avoid this bias, treating money as money, and it should be treated as that no matter the source and using that to get to your goals and, and that. And it's not saying don't ever treat yourself. It's just sometimes a lot of people can go too far the other way and just making sure you're aware of, of that bias. And just, yeah, once again, you can ask the advisor to help you with this, with organizing your financial priorities and making sure that you're treating all the money as earned income versus bonus money. Overconfidence. Okay, so overconfidence. But being an overconfident investor makes you think you know more than you really do. Sometimes all it takes is one big win. And I, I've seen this with newer clients and stuff coming in and going through examples and they're very confident because they've had a couple of big wins and they can become a little bit irrational with their investment decisions because of how those big wins have influenced them. And it will, some people, when they get those one-offs, those big wins, they may start to trade more rapidly, which is kind of really worth the cost, or they'll kind of start under diversifying their portfolio in hopes of hitting it big again and kind of moving it all into one area. So recently we kind of saw that with cryptocurrency. People that adopted it early into their portfolios made some good money. And then they started to put more and more and more and kind of abandon other asset classes. Uh, well, if anyone that's following cryptocurrency now, it's, it's down significantly. So it, that's kind of just one example to give you on that, that overconfidence is bias is a tendency to kind of hold and fall, hold a false and misleading assessment of your skills, intellect, and talent. And in short, it's an somewhat to a certain degree, ego, egotistical belief that you're better at trading than everyone else around you type thing. So it, it can be a very, this can be a very dangerous bias. And it's just, it's very pro prolific in behavioral finance. And it's definitely something that you want to be aware of. It's really just trying to get a handle on your investment or money mindset. I, I use the word money mindset a lot. It's just kind of like personality traits. We develop money mindsets as well from our history, our experience and all of that. And it's just good to make sure that you kind of pay attention to some of these biases and how you may, doesn't mean you, it doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to have one. You could have a couple of these, but it's just good to pay attention to that. So this, how to avoid this one, it's just recognizing that there is a point where you can get too involved with your investments and it can cost you big time. So be sure that the decisions are making are, you're making are driven by reason, not just emotion. 
The next one is, well, the last one I really have is, is loss aversion. So this is on the complete opposite end of being overconfident is suffer, suffering from loss aversion. So loss aversion is when we focus too heavily on not losing money. We neglect the fact that we can be making money, but loss aversion is a cognitive bias that describes why for individuals, the pain of losing is psychologically twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining. So the loss felt from money or any other valuable object, doesn't just have to be a dollar, can feel way worse than gaining than the same thing. And loss aversion refers to an individual's tendency to prefer avoiding losses to acquire an equivalent gain. So basically, let me put it this way. It, basically, these people think it's better to not lose $20 than to find $20 or gain $20. And this type of thinking can cause us to have unbalanced portfolios and keep us from unloading unprofitable investments. And it can also hold people back from realizing their financial potential, really, because you're not taking, you, you think you're not taking any risk, but you kind of are by also holding on because you're so scared of any loss. And I find this bias is very strong in people that have been burnt or scarred before from bad investment decisions in the past, obviously. And many times you have people that don't want to invest as a result of this and they keep money in the bank. And they'll say to me, oh, I keep it in the bank because I don't want any risk since I lost so much before. And I, however, like what I always say this and um, is, is I correct them and say, well, you're keeping money in the bank to avoid market risk, not total risk. Don't think you're keeping in there from all risks, just you're avoiding market risk by doing that. Because now the money is exposed to inflation risk. So right now, if the money is sitting in your bank and you leave it for a year, you think it's safe, but you've basically lost 5.25%, because that's currently the inflation rate, of that money's purchasing power. So that's a risk. And as well, when it's in a bank, there's also, it, it's very, very accessible to spend quickly, which can be a factor for some people as well too. So this is definitely one as well to pay attention to. Um, the feel, basically, how to avoid it is feeling the pain of loss is, complete, is a completely human experience and it's only natural that we want to avoid it at all costs. Try formulating a plan with your advisor on this, on what you will do if your investment loses, even before it does. That way you're pre-planning and crash testing and the expectations are, are there and you're not all of a sudden doing irrational things because it's, it's going down short term. This way you have, like, as I mentioned, that rational plan in place, and it's going to just keep you from derailing. With our clients, we go over their retirement. Many podcasts, I mentioned my retirement income projection plans, which is the most important thing. Statements are, are important, but I tell them when things are going rough and markets are bad, I tell them to ignore, ignore the outside news, the market news, the outside gloom and doom, since we put in these plans, the current value of their portfolio with their goals and lifestyle expenses. And it shows them based on that, that they're still more than fine, even with this, with a potential recession or market crash. And I show them these multiple examples so that they, it shows them that they're okay. Like, Hey, yeah, we're going to make a return on this long-term, but in the short term, there will be drops and there will potentially, if you look at a statement from three months or six months ago till today, yeah, it may be less. 
but is it less than when you initially put the money in and we started investing? Of course not. So those are the things that that you need these tools and illustration, these plans that, that illustrate to show the individual that they're going to be okay. So that's what we do to get around this bias. Cause that's a pretty strong one, especially for retirees because retiring is a big transition and there's, there's fears because now the paycheck's going to be shut off and everything else. So it's just really important to help pre-retirees and retirees around this bias. Cause as I mentioned, it's very common for retirees. Um, a couple other things I'll just throw in to help you avoid behavioral finance biases as well and just simply invest more wisely is, uh, as I mentioned today, acquiring as much relevant information as you can before making decisions is a powerful way to avoid many of these, but it's also don't you don't want paralysis analysis and then keep researching and, and researching so much that you don't make any moves. Um, so that we just, you want to take time and not just jump into it extremely quick is basically what I'm getting at. And also learning about the long-term performance of various asset classes is a good thing to do as well too, because it kind of sets your realistic expectations and it can show you that, yes, okay, over the long-term, here's roughly what I will be making on average, but it's not a straight line. So I know that there's going to be dips. And when there is, I just have to keep calm and know that over the long term, I'm going to be okay. And that's where you just, you don't want to attach too much significance to the short-term results. Cause also if you're just chasing performance, that's a type of bias as well too. Uh, following the herd rarely pays off because the players with the big resources, they have probably identified and exploited those patterns long before you've even noticed it. So that's where chasing performance can really get you in trouble, especially if you're not a very well-seasoned advisor. And many investment professionals suggest that being a contrarian investor, which is basically mean doing the opposite of most, is a wise choice. And one of the more popular individuals people know in, in regards to that is Warren Buffett. And his very, very many people have heard this statement where he says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Uh, it, goes, it ties right into that. And remember that your portfolio, it's been created if you're working with, a, with an advisor in that or a team. Just remember that portfolio has been created with your specific goals, risk levels, and duration. It makes no sense just to ditch it because of short-term fluctuations. So it's very important to stick to the plan, especially when you start to get the feeling that you want to abandon ship because of the bad news or bad markets and all the emotions that come around that. Other one I'm going to mention is... <laughs> Don't check your portfolio too often. You'll see more short-term losses and be more likely to want to make more poor decisions because you're seeing that. And one of the keys, key goals to investing is to dampen the volatility and reduce risk through asset class diversification, which should be assessed over a longer period. And that's going to, once again, by doing that, that's going to go and reduce the influence of anchors. Just you don't want to react to the, no, the 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 noise, the news, the media. It's there's a lot of that where it's clickbait and it's meant to excite or get you going. So you don't want to make or react to those sources. Basically, the bottom line here is we all possess a unique combination of rational and irrational traits when it comes to investing. That's normal. The good news is being self-aware and educating yourself can help overcome 
any hurdles that you may face. And of course, if you, as I mentioned a couple of times today, if you have an advisor, use them for an impartial second set of eyes. That's the whole point of having them. And by doing this, it will help counter these biases I've spoke about today. And uh, that's about it, Patrice, for going over All right. finance. Great stuff there, Chris. How can somebody reach you if they want to talk to you more about this? As always, just go to our our website, green, like the color, privatewealth.com, and you can go to the contact page and find me there. And listeners, this is a great episode to share with others, maybe even listen to a second time yourself. So make sure you follow Chris's podcast for even more insights. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.